0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit,
1: amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice, calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. And today I'm going to be turning the tables on my co-host, Kyle Pietrantonio, who, of course, is no stranger to Follow to Lead. And we're going to be interviewing him. And Kyle, of course, is the executive director of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. Uh, previously, he was head of school at Holy Spirit. Uh, Preparatory School in Atlanta, Georgia. He also served as a school principal and teacher in Catholic schools, uh, was a founding board member of Christo Ray uh, Atlanta Jesuit High School, and currently serves as the vice chair for the board of directors of Ignatius House, which is a Jesuit retreat center in Atlanta. In addition to Duke and Altum, uh, Kyle works in executive search for Partners in Mission, He graduated from Georgetown University with an A.B. in Classics, Medieval Studies, and Theology. He's an alumnus of the University of Notre Dame's Alliance for Education, or ACE program, with a Master of Education in Secondary Ed and completed doctoral studies at the Catholic University of America in Educational Leadership and Policy. Kyle currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia, with his wife, Megan, and their three children, who all attend Catholic school. They are active parishioners at Holy Spirit Catholic Church. Kyle, welcome to the program.
2: Great to be with you, Father Randy. And uh, it's a little unusual to be on the other side of the desk, so to speak, uh, with you, but uh, looking forward to our conversation.
1: Oh, me too. This will be kind of fun. And I know you've been doing a lot of uh, traveling and got a lot of miles on yourself from this last year. So I'm kind of eager to hear about uh, uh, some of the uh, things going on in in, uh, Duke and Altam both last year and then looking forward to this year. Uh, But, you know, this is our first program of 2024. I think it'd be good for us just to wish everybody a happy new year and uh, just to let them know that uh, we're with them for another year to come. Yeah,
2: happy New Year, everyone! Yeah, great, great uh, start to 2024.
1: Well, uh, as we look to 2024 for your family, anything up and coming uh, for you personally that you're kind of looking forward to? Any special plans or milestones coming up?
2: Uh, that's a great question. I mean, top of mind uh, is, uh, I mean, we're coming off of of Christmas, of course, and uh, our children are are still um, of an age where Uh, They have a lot of excitement around uh, the Christmas holiday and what Santa might have in store for them. And uh, this year, we're big about experiences uh, for our children um, and and for our family uh, doing things uh, together and learning together. And uh, this year, um, they got a gift of a trip to London uh, for uh, spring break. So we as a family uh, will be heading to London, um, and exploring some of the UK and their culture, um, as a, as an experience for our family. So we're looking forward to that trip. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's on the horizon on the, on the not too distant horizon, uh, for sure. And, uh, we're looking forward to that.
1: Oh, that sounds exciting. Uh, if you need a chaplain to go along, just let me know. And
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Father Randy. Sure
1: yeah i could carry your luggage or do i love going to london that is a, a beautiful city and as a former anglican uh, i see it through two different lenses so
2: well if there's any recommendations you have by all means let let, let me know
1: i'll 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 do that uh, off camera here and give you some ideas i think that would be fun hey um uh, uh, we've had a great year uh, with Duke and Alta, great year for uh, the programming of Follow to Lead, a great year in uh, what happened with uh, DIA and various things going on. C- can we just do a little bit of a retrospective, especially on DIA events? And we'll talk about the summit uh, afterward, but what are some of the other highlights for you as you look back at uh, uh, the last year?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh, Father Andy, it's uh, hard to believe. Yeah, it's been just another year of of growth for for Dia. Um, I think we're, you know, certainly hitting a a need in the Catholic Ed marketplace, whereby a um, mission aligned forum of of Catholic school leaders and those really involved on the front lines of formation and ministry at K twelve Catholic schools uh, have a place to grow in fellowship and collaboration and learning how to best serve um, certainly students, the center of the mission of a school, but also really collaborating on uh, serving these those other important stakeholder groups who touch a school's mission, uh, faculty and teachers, uh, parents, um, young alum um, being uh, among those groups that um, really our schools in the DI network are quite intentional about about reaching out to and, and ministering to and so uh we saw you know an uptick in in membership which you know we pivoted to that model 3 years ago and you know we're uh you know hovering around 34 35 uh, member schools um and and dio- some diocesan offices as well have joined and so uh you know this has just been a real great grassroots you know movement of of like-minded leaders who are committed to this vision of of faith forward uh, Catholic education.
1: So with the uh, with the last year uh, in terms of membership, we I love the fact that we're continuing to grow. I mean, I was there before, uh, the membership model, and and then help to be one of the first schools in. And I'm really excited that we're seeing other schools respond. If there is a, a teacher or an administrator that is in a school that that cannot at this point, for a variety of reasons, really join, can individuals join as well?
2: We are certainly open to individuals plugging into DIA, and, and there's a variety of, of things and, and offerings and resources that That individuals can take advantage uh, of. We also, you know, have been flexible with, you know, campus ministry teams um, who want to take advantage of some programming and and resources. So, um, and and that's on the docket for 2024. Looking ahead is we're just hearing more and more interest, uh, and it makes perfect mission sense for us to step in, is just more affinity group Um, collaboration with directors of campus ministry um, offices and teams, um, as well as as chaplains um, who are serving our schools. And um, and so that's something to to look forward to uh, this coming year uh, and and ways for for those people who might not be a school leader and and a member of DIA, but for others to take advantage of some of the resources and Mm -hmm. programming DIA offers for their work.
1: I know for me, one of the uh, biggest disappointments was my inability to be able to be a part of the summit uh, in October uh, in Washington, D.C. Of course, that's my home area where I came from before I'm here in Kansas City. And there were a lot of things about it that I wanted to be, uh, again, around that area. But I also wanted to experience the dynamism that was taking place. I think it's the largest summit we've had so far would that be correct
2: it it was our largest summit to date it was the ninth um, summit we've had as an organization and uh we were hovering you know north of 220 attendees this year we we really kind of maxed out the the space that catholic university uh offered for us. They were a tremendous host um, and and partner this year. Uh, It was our first time hosting the summit on one of our um, Catholic higher ed partners campuses. And uh, I think that was a great draw for some of our Catholic school leaders who might not have been to Catholic U. um, And now they're coming back to their own campus with some first-hand knowledge of of what CUA is doing, which is really quite strong right now um, under President Kilpatrick and and previously President Garvey. And and so uh, we're going to continue this trend next year, being at the University of St. Thomas, which is another one of our Catholic higher ed partners, um, and exposing our Catholic school leaders and those that want to come from our, our schools. Uh, to another really great, um, Catholic higher ed option. So, um, and they'll have, you know, some great space. We'll be there in a few weeks, uh, on a site visit, um, as part of our, our, uh, planning for, for next year's summit.
1: And what are some of the highlights for you as you look back on the summit? Uh, I'm, I know that we did the museum of the Bible and some things, what are, kind of just give us a bit of an overview of some of the, the takeaways for you personally.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean there's just it's it's always beautiful to see it come together um and uh to have the esprit de corps of really these crusaders for catholic education um all arm to arm and the just the fruit that comes from being together and the conversations between sessions or before after mass or uh you know at a cigar reception uh which has become a little tradition uh at the summit. So, you know, just that always fills, you know, my sales um is just how powerful that um kind of atmosphere is for these leaders. Um and for me personally. In terms of some of the specific highlights, um the, the masses in the crypt chapel. Uh, that um, Bishop Daly celebrated uh, for us along with the, our priest chaplains who were in attendance um, and the music that the Basilica um, uh, folks provided. So like we wanna expose everyone and have people like together in just beautiful liturgy. And that was certainly a standout um, is, is being able to have daily mass in the crypt Chapel Bishop Daly and a number of the priest, chaplains in attendance can celebrate. Uh, that was that that sticks out for me um, and was just a beautiful opportunity. Uh, we had some of the strongest keynotes that that the summit has put together in in um, in, in folks like Tim Bush, Father Spitzer, um, Helen Ovare, I mean, those three in particular, I I came back just really jazzed by their message, their delivery. Um, and I know others just from follow-up um, also felt very challenged, motivated, and inspired by those particular um speakers. Um, So that was great, uh, just to have like, you know, three for three, hit it out of the park. Um, We honored Tim Bush with an inaugural award, uh, the Luke 5-4 award, uh, for his work um, in the new evangelization. And it was a surprise for him And one of our DIA fellows, uh, Carol Szymanski from St. John the 23rd in Katy, Texas, who's a beautiful iconographer, created uh, an original piece um, referencing uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter five, verse four and casting out into the deep. And that if there was one singular moment, it was seeing Tim's reaction to receiving that honor and being able to be a part of that. Because um, I think we are at a, a watershed moment in the church in terms of, of, and I saw this in Rome firsthand a few weeks ago. Um, you know, Pope Francis is turning things on its head in a few different ways. And one of the ways, I think, in terms of synodality or the modality of, of church is calling on the flock um, to be a part of the spirit of of the church, and when I see what you know Tim has done with you know the work in Catholic education, and then the Napa Institute, what Dia is aspiring to do with the laity um, leading Catholic Ed um, in this new day and age. I mean, this I, I do really feel this is the moment for. Mm-hmm more lay leadership in the church to to step up in ways that they haven't had to before, because we have had a lot of, of uh, women and men religious um, in an era that I grew up in. And and that's not the case, but I think in this springtime of the church, um, particularly in some of the Catholic ed circles we're seeing with great renewal, um, we are seeing uh, priestly and religious vocations now coming. And, and I think it, 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 it's bringing together these like-minded leaders to galvanize um, this this movement. And uh, it's hard work. Um, but it's it's really beautiful and rewarding work. when you can do it together. and and that's kind of the essence of of what we're about.
1: Now, uh, some of our audience may not know Tim Bush or the Napa Institute. Kind of give just a, a little brief overview of the contribution he's made.
2: Yes, uh, and, and NAPA is ever evolving. So they began about a year or two prior to DIA, maybe 10, 11 years ago now. And uh, the idea was really equipping our country for the new evangelization. I think that's one of the, if not the catchphrase that NAPA Institute uses. And you know their, their signature event, Happens out in Napa every summer, and that is their tentpole event. Like our summit is DIA's tentpole event in October, and since then they've grown their programs and resources and offered different pilgrimages and other programs uh, to support the new evangelization. But what Tim uh, and his team have done is very extraordinary and singular in the sense that they brought together the nexus of, I really think three key audiences in our church. They brought together church leaders, these are are, our cardinals and bishops, um, women religious, men religious, uh, who um, want the good news of apostolates that are shaping the new evangelization of of the church in a variety of ways. and the leaders of those said apostolates and ministries who need to find time um, and a place to connect with these leaders of our church. It happens to be in a beautiful setting um, in, in Napa. And then the third important segment and audience that Tim and his team have brought to the table are some of the most generous Catholic philanthropists and benefactors in our country who feel called to use these resources they've been blessed with to move the needle in our church and Mm -hmm. to save souls, to save more souls. And I think that's the bottom line. And really there wasn't a mechanism in the American Catholic church uh, to do that. And I think Tim and his entrepreneurial spirit and others, you know, who are at, you know, Father Spitzer's been very involved with the with the NAP Institute, you know, they saw that as a, a game-changing opportunity uh, for the church. And um, and we've been blessed to be a part of that, to offer some Catholic ed programming um, at their annual event. And it really, uh, you know, what what they've done at, at that national level with a variety of different ministries is is something we're trying to do in the Catholic ed space uh, with mm-hmm. DIA. We've certainly right. borrowed some of, of Napa's playbook um, with strengthening um, faith first Catholic education.
1: Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a, a, an amazing program out there. And I know a number of priests also attend and they come away really with a, a a broader vision of the church uh, you know, that they can use to again uh, energize and uh, bring their lay faithful into a greater influence in the church. So it's it's a wonderful vision.
2: Yes. And, and it keeps, and the sacraments at the center of all. and, And that's, I think, so, so critically important for the work of Christ church is staying true, uh, to that. And, you know, the 120 masses offered over the course of like four or five days at the Knapp Institute, it's, wow. it's truly, a, a, an extraordinary um, virtually, vir- vir, you know, verging on the miraculous, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, of how much sacramental grace is being poured out over that course of that week. Um, you know, just abundant opportunities for for confession and and Eucharistic adoration, um, a number of first-class relics of saints, um, where folks can you know spend time venerating, and uh, when that happens. Uh, uh, a lot a lot of of unexpected beautiful things i think can come out of 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 that experience and and that's what we were hoping to replicate you know with DIA and, and our summit for catholic school sure. leaders yeah. is to have a taste of 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 that um that experience and what it can do and bring back to their schools
1: yeah i know that uh the university of saint thomas uh their media ministry i think it's max studios uh put together a beautiful little uh overview video and i'm going to put that in our show notes so that people can uh get a, it, it in viewing that i kind of got a flavor of what it would like to be there so i think that would be great for people who are perhaps looking toward next year and uh and what we have going on at uh ust and uh in houston and so that it that to me is is uh Uh, one of the great contributions of DIA is just that sense of coming together. You know, even during the uh, pandemic, we couldn't quite get together, but we still got together as best we could by uh, Zoom, et cetera. You know, one of the areas from this last year that I really see growing is our strategic partners. Talk about that aspect of, of DIA because it's like we have this little treasure trove of, of partnerships that have begun to develop.
2: Yeah. This is something we've been focusing a lot of, of attention to uh, is as we pivoted to that membership model, father Randy was all right, now let's start aligning to provide even more benefit to, to our schools. Uh, What are, mission congruent partners that really want to plug in either initially or even plug in more to to some of our catholic schools um and that was that has been a really fun uh and and a continuous exercise is uh you know stewarding and reaching out to mission aligned partners and vendors who want to have time with, with our Catholic school leaders. and, and they have run the gamut um, uh, from architecture firms that do you know beautiful and you know classical architecture um, or, or uh, do a lot of church and religious um, organization architecture uh, to curricular resources, um, and then, you know, a growing segment has certainly been the Catholic higher ed partners. And and that has been really fruitful for, for me. I'm just very personally committed to having our schools align themselves with great options for our graduates out of our Catholic high schools. And, you know, it could be a Catholic college or university, or it could be a public or private uh, college. But has a really robust uh, Catholic center and, and Catholic school presence. Um, and so, or Catholic student presence. So uh, th- that has been a growing segment and and one that uh, we're really excited about. We related to this topic, uh, Father Randy, one of the things DIA has been helping with a couple of our, our member schools is a really neat uh, counselor fellowship. Uh, this summer, uh, in late June, in the Boston area, uh, Sparhawk Academy will host it for us uh, on their campus, and this is going to be an inaugural uh, experience, where one that we'll build upon each year. Where a few of us, you know, saw a huge need in uh, how we could build more intentional discernment into college counseling curricula. And, and it, you know, they've been very secularized by, you know, the U.S. News and World Report and Wall Street Journal rankings. And, and it, it just is like, this makes no sense. I think we're missing an opportunity here to partner with students and parents in a really, really critical decision in a young adult's life. Um, you know, those colleges, college years can be so transformational. They also can be quite challenging to, to yeah. students and their faith life. And so... We thought we need to create some support and programming for for our coll- college counselors uh, in our Catholic high schools uh, to have a framework and some partnership with other you know like-minded programs and counselors to kind of almost transform how college counseling is provided um, in our Catholic high school. So this is really exciting. There'll be more information coming out uh, soon about that um, uh, program in late June for college counselors.
1: I know we also have the Hallow app now as one of our partners. And that, that is such a great gift to uh, not just our students, but to our parents, our faculty, uh, to again have that partnership with Hallow.
2: Uh, They have been a super partner, um, and you know I love just how user friendly and accessible uh, and robust that technology uh, is from for all audiences, whether it's your faculty down to down to your students. Um, You know I shared when introducing them at the summit uh, that I was at you know one school uh, earlier in the fall, and I saw know that purple uh color and their logo all throughout um like the seating areas in the common spaces and in the student lounges and actually stumbled upon one student who was using the app then and was asking him about his experience and he just said this is how i pray this is this has been really critical to my prayer life and um and so, yeah, kudos to them. Um, I mean, they're doing some great stuff. Uh, and and a number of our schools are are leveraging them into the spiritual life of, of their communities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know they do have a, a school program that they're really wanting to uh, push more deeply into Catholic schools to coordinate and integrate into the curricula, especially in the area of spiritual life. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. We are actually starting our fourth year. On follow to Lead. It is hard to believe that we've had uh, three years of programming twice a month. And you know, I was just looking back over this last year. Uh, Dr. Richard Ludwig from University of St. Thomas, what an amazing uh, program that was with him. Uh, Dr. Brett Salkels from uh, Archdiocese of Regina in Canada, an amazing program. Father Robert Spitzer did two programs with us. And if you remember, it was kind of like we just stood back and just, let him just fly for these two programs. And uh, Jimmy Mitchell from Jesuit high school in Tampa, again, electrifying testimonies to how God is moving on campuses. So uh, that I, I have to say with all of that, one of my most fond memories of this last year was doing the five marks of Catholic schools with Archbishop Miller's beautiful document. And, uh, we Had that, it was a ended up a seven part series. Uh, what, what's some of your takeaways from uh follow to lead over this last year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just want to begin by thanking you, Father Randy, for the passion, the expertise, and the, the commitment you have to this program. Um, I, I, I see it. Uh, bearing fruits um, those people who you know will shoot notes to me or say I listen to this episode people that I had no idea <laughs> were you know podcast listeners so yeah. that's the beauty I think of, of technology like this is it, it goes into the cyber world and and we let the spirit take it to hearts and and minds and souls of of listeners some of whom we may have never have met um so uh you know Kudos, Father Randy. I mean, when we met, I had no idea that you had, you know, a career in in radio, and then certainly a heart for uh, a heart for Catholic education. And we were able to really um, marry these two uh, for for this endeavor. Um, it's a big part of of our apostolate and our our outreach. So, and and you have gotten some just phenomenal guests that. That are inspiring. And as the title of the program uh alludes to, you know, how has that individual, you know, discerned God's will, followed it to lead others to Christ? And um and, and that's uh what the leaders in DIA um, are doing. And these are folks in a variety of ministries and apostolates that are doing the same work. So um, and having just come back, um the focus conference, uh, in St. Louis and seek where there's you know 20,000 some odd, uh, people in attendance and hundreds of ministries and apostolates, um, and opportunities to meet even new folks that are doing some game changing work for the church. We'll have an opportunity, I know, uh, to have a number of, of new folks, um, share this coming year, but, uh, certainly Archbishop Miller's, um, Five marks, and to be able to have you know him be a part of that uh, program uh, was was really moving. Um, Any time we've had Bishop Daly on, you know, he, he uh, his commitment to, to Catholic education and our our vision for what Catholic education aligns so well. He has been such a great advocate and supporter of of our work, and I, I love the conviction. And straightforwardness in which he speaks about the mission of Catholic education. So I always walk away after any engagement I have with him, really on fire and inspired. And I have the privilege of working with him right now. Um, he's assisting on the committee uh, for Archbishop Corleone's, uh superintendent search in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And um, I'm involved in in shepherding uh, that process right now for them. And uh, it's great to have him at the table. And and it's just a tremendously strong witness um, in a very progressive part of the country, right? And so anytime we can give him a microphone uh, to be a mouthpiece for um, the Lord, you know, uh, I'm all for it. So um, now he'll be stepping down Uh, from his role as chair of the Committee on Catholic Education for the USCCB. And one of the introductions I got this past week through my time at at SEEK is with Bishop O'Connell, who will be stepping in. He's the chair-elect of the Committee on Catholic Education, former president of the Catholic University of America. And so he'll be a guest, Father Randy, that I hope we'll be able to have um, soon.
1: Yeah, he would be great to have on as he uh, begins his tenure in that that position, for sure. You know, and it was interesting to me to have such people as Anthony Lillis Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, of course, we had Bishop Daly. We had so many wonderful resources uh, that we could call upon for uh, giving content. One one thing I found out uh, here in the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, uh, the— Uh, faculty faith formation for the last semester was focused on that five marks document and uh i had uh, heard that at least one or maybe more schools what they did for the teachers is assign them to listen to our program wow that's good and use that as the springboard for teaching about it so yeah so it's uh, again, one of the things about a lot of these programs is they're evergreen. It isn't that you have one and done, but you can go back and there's so many great resources that you can look back toward uh, over the years. And uh, I love so, the
2: fellows too, Father Randy. Just I, oh yeah, I the fellows. Mention, uh, you know, we've begun a tradition of of ha- of, of having uh, the fellows who want to come on the program and and share about their experience and work, and we're building together another dynamite cohort. Uh, Right now, that's going to launch uh, later in January and really thrilled with some of the projects and programs they're going to be incubating uh, through the course of the fellowship. So that has been another highlight for me is is just um, working with this group of fellows, seeing the fruit they're they're cultivating at their schools and then hearing about it and letting them trumpet and and evangelize outward, you know, using this platform uh, as well.
1: Yeah, they were uh, great guests on the podcast this last year. And one of the things that's been kind of fun, for example, when I had uh, Jimmy Mitchell, who's the campus minister at at, uh, Jesuit Catholic, uh, I've been able to connect him with other campus ministers within our organization. So we're beginning to see, again, another uh, coalition of like-hearted individuals together. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see how these things can work. Well, let's look forward now. We're in 2024, and what is on the radar for this coming year for Dia?
2: Yeah, certainly. There's two things that that I want to stress and and talk about. Um, one is uh, an aspiring Catholic school leader cohort uh, in partnership with Father Spitzer's Magis Center. So this this past year. Um, uh, a few of us at DIA and, and a few folks at Maja Center um, kind of linked arms and collaborated uh, on leveraging Father Spitzer's you know, journey to excellence, leadership development uh, platform right. and framework uh, with some components that we wanted uh, in to uh, really build a very digestible springboard for aspiring Catholic school leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what I'm hearing and what other, hear, what we need to build our leader benches and our, our succession plant in our school, I'm seeing this just firsthand with the the leadership search work. This is something we're, we're really struggling with in the K-12, uh, Catholic school space and, and even the, the, uh, public school space. I mean, there's going to be a, a really big war on, on teacher talent and, and leader talent. Yeah. And, uh, and it's all the more so, you know, when you have Catholic schools and an angular mission and you want, you know, folks who, who live and breathe that mission. So we've got to do a much more intentional job um, on building our talent pool in-house and, and in a digestible way. And I'm using that word intentionally because there are a number of folks who can't commit to a two or three year grad program. For a variety of reasons. They're a young parent um, and so time is scarce or the school's not going to subsidize it um, and they don't want to take on more debt uh, or the expense. And so this was very attractive for us as we looked to a partner to create a springboard, a digestible program that can be done in two semesters. It's a 14-week kind of modular setup uh, that allows these aspiring Catholic school leaders in a cohort setting, using Father Spitzer's journey to excellence framework and some components that that we're you know interfacing uh, with, to kind of you know launch into to school leadership, um, uh, or at least use it to discern whether or not you know they want to take on uh, the mantle of leadership um, at their school or or at another Catholic school. But we've got to do more programming. Um, Uh, along these lines and tapping more rising stars on the shoulder um, and saying, I'll support you doing this program. And so uh, we're building a cohort now that will launch in February, this inaugural cohort um, with the MAJA Center, and um, we're excited about it. And so that's something that we're gonna continue to put some resource behind. The second and related, uh, is we're hearing more and more from our, our member schools about getting creative with building teacher talent pools. Mm-hmm. And we dipped our toe in this a little... Well, we've obviously had a job board uh, since you know, we uh, put our website together. And, and that's something certainly our member schools uh, have leveraged, as well as our listserv when there's openings among our member schools. This past summit, we we dipped our toe a bit more. We said, let's have a career in networking fair the, the night before the summit starts. Like the idea was, here we are in the nation's capital. You have D.C., Maryland, Virginia. You've got a slew of, of colleges and universities, many Catholic ones, um, and ones <clears throat> that have Newman centers. Um, let's market. And, and open up um, to college students who are discerning potentially a, a career in Catholic education, what it's about. And so we had, you know, a number of our schools sign up to have booths. Um, we had some of our, we opened up to some of our, our major partners as well um, uh, to be, be present. And it was a very nice uh, wine and cheese, casual kind of networking event uh, that we wanted to try to do something um, to start you know, building some interest in serving in, in these schools. Um, we'll continue to do that. I think um, with with the summit next year in Houston, we've already, you know, planted that seed uh, there. And, and uh, my hope is we'll continue to do that work. Um, we, I think, need to come up with some more sharing and creative ways. Some of our schools are doing some really innovative things with um, internships and externships for college students. I think of, uh, what Tom Carroll built um, up in the Archdiocese of Boston with the St. Thomas More Teaching Fellows Program, which incidentally uh, had a nice presence at um, at Focus, which is just a beautiful vineyard to have a presence of recruiting um, college students uh, for a potential ministry in Catholic ed. So uh, this is some area that we wanna give some good attention to um, because I, I think again, um, this is the future of, of our Catholic school service is, is, is our, our young people, um, uh, who are on fire for the Lord, um, who want to minister in our schools. And and we got to go out and teach them about what that means, get them, uh, you know, just as, as religious orders, you know, talk about periods of discernment, create these opportunities for them to discern, to meet members of our school, um, and, uh, to begin conversation, um, and, and start really, um, being proactive about courting uh, th- these types of, of young people to our schools.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more that both in the area of administrative leadership and in the classroom that, uh, you know, we have a uh, a need that, that it continues to call out and that needs to be fulfilled. I know in uh, my role of having to fill a position of a principal in a high school uh, that many times the the area the area that you can draw from is very limited because people are not just going to move across the United States or a position like that. So to be able to broadcast that type of initiative, where in various areas, both you know cities, rural, whatever it happens to be, to have individuals that feel called to administration, leadership, as well as classroom uh, ministry as teachers, is so critical. Yeah.
2: And and young people today are more mobile than a generation or two ago. And so they're willing to go as I did. I went for for the the vision and mission and philosophy of a school that I didn't know a soul living in in a city I did not
1: know a person in. That's a really good point. uh,
2: And and that's part of why I think again the DIA brand and um, is something like I want that to be a, a a symbol, a signal for young people to say, this is a school on fire for, for, for faith and for formation. And that's something that means a lot to me as a young person. And I can contribute, I can contribute in that way because I have a personal relationship with the Lord. And, and that is a school that I'm going to match with. And, and so we, we, and that was part of, you know, our work in, in, in having a presence at the uh, seek event that focus puts on is, is we, we want to, we want to evangelize, you know, what Dia means in Catholic Ed, and let that be a light, you know, that speaks to to the, to those people uh, that could be interested in serving in, in those schools.
1: I like that vision and that model, where uh, an aspiring teacher, especially one that comes from a faith first position, uh, looks at a school and realizes, oh, they're a member of Dia. Okay, you know, that is a, because we hire for mission but young people want to be hired for mission uh, when they're in that kind of a setting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well put father Andy is, is, you know, and and this is a space, you know, we we were getting taps on the shoulder a couple of years ago about, do we want to move into the accreditation business? And we kind of pumped the brakes on it. And thankfully, you know, Lumen at Catholic U, um, uh, Lumen accreditation out of, um, uh, Catholic Youth Institute for the Transformation of Catholic Education is, is stepping into that space, which is needed. There's no doubt, um, and and um, I, I have great hopes that they're going to answer a huge need. That said, um, there are different. I see Catholic schools all over the country, and there is a huge variance on what Catholic schools prioritize. Yeah, and you know what what we want to say with the DIA ethos is this is a school that is sacramentally robust. Like the faith formation of everyone who touches our mission is important. We're committed to it. And we're gonna be committed to excellence in everything, not at the sacrifice of our mission, of our Catholic mission, but because right. of it. And and that is what we want to serve, we want to, to put out there. And the schools that are a part of us are committed to that. And so to your point, it shortens the blind date phase of, of a prospective teacher getting to know, like you said, you know, uh, St. James Academy. Oh, see, I, I know what I'm going to walk into, right. Yeah. I know what they're going to elevate and what they're going to give time and resource to.
1: And that is not to say that, uh, we're looking at a Bible school model where, you know, uh, but there is still excellence in academics, oh, yeah. but not at the expense of of our faith formation i think that's such a key
2: precisely and and leveraging athletics um or academics in the formation of one's faith right it's it's this infusion um and not this compartmentalization and and what what i see the leaders of dia schools really committed to is that infusion of faith across all disciplines and domains and those are the schools that are hitting it out of the
1: park. Well, this looks like it can be an exciting year uh, for DIA as we move forward and really focusing on that. The Magis Center uh, idea, I think, is fantastic to give people an opportunity, uh, for lack of a better term, for uh, an armchair experience in moving into uh, further uh, development of their skills, Uh you know, for teaching and mission and the idea of teaching in a Catholic school. And, uh, you know, this, uh, better than, uh, than anyone. I mean, it's all about a call to mission. It's not about, you know, uh, grabbing a, a, a teaching job, but you have a, right. a, a desire for mission, a desire for formation.
2: Yes. And, um, and a witness to be a witness. Um, and, and, um, be joyful in, in what, in what you're doing. Um, And I just uh, was at our daughter's class mass this morning before hopping on our our podcast here. And, you know, those teachers she's surrounded with, um, I can tell they're in love with Christ. Yeah. um, And that emanates joy. And, um, and that is such a key ingredient for these young people. Uh, to be a part of that when they're away from mom and dad that's what we want and hope for our children to experience in a a rich catholic school
1: absolutely because it is uh, a shared commitment a partnership that should be there between the family and the school Um, hopefully it will become more that way as as time goes on uh so looking forward to we've got the summit in houston texas I know that one of the uh, keynotes is going to be Dr. Brett Salkeld, who was a dyna- He was a participant in a a workshop, I believe, at the last summit. A phenomenal guest for us, and we're going to have him on again. Uh, who? What else have you got planned for the summit for this next year?
2: Yeah, we, well, we're going to be there in three weeks uh, for a board meeting, um, a planning session, a site visit. So we're gonna we've begun, you know. A template uh of, of plans uh we'll have a better idea i think in three weeks in terms of of who's kind of uh emerging on on the short list um and uh always welcome you know nominations uh for folks to lead workshops uh or, or keynotes uh we have a a, a summit think tank uh, each year that uh really helps vet and curate the sessions and the speakers right. and um and so uh, we're excited um, to have that group help. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, uh, it, it's going to be great. I mean, I, I, Houston will be a, a tremendous city to, to have it in. We're thrilled that University of St. Thomas is is hosting us. Uh, it overlaps perfectly with JP2's feast day, who's the patron of, of DIA. and. Um, uh, so J- October 21st through the 23rd, um, with this feast day in the middle, October 22nd, I will share, we just got news last week, uh, Father Andy, that Cardinal DiNardo will celebrate the mass on his feast day for, uh, the summit.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that is great news. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to check and see if our ordinariate Bishop can attend too.
2: Great. Great. Yeah.
1: Would love to He's, love to the, have he's him. there in Houston as well. Bishop Lopes. So,
2: yeah, so uh, we're moving on that man
1: that is that is exciting. And University of St. Thomas is going to be a great venue for us, I know uh, yeah, the weather the, will be
2: weather will be really nice um, you know, and uh, and we're excited about it
1: that is that is super. Well, I know but for follow to lead for our podcast, we're looking at a great year as well. We've got uh, Mark middendorf the president of ave Maria. University talking to us about an amazing program they have called Mary's Mariners, excuse me, Mary's Marines. And, uh, uh, we have a newly ordained priest and a deacon seminarian from the Archdiocese of Boston talking about a documentary that was done on their basketball team as a means of building community for seminarians. That's going to be kind of fun. Uh, Dr. Brett Salkalt going to be with us a lot of great things coming up. And, uh, so, uh, I'm looking forward to, to this next year. Uh, with DIA's uh, Follow to Lead podcast. And boy, I'll tell you, we're continuing to grow in our followers, our uh, number of downloads, the number of visits, and everything. Uh, so it's exciting to see the way that this has really continued to uh, build momentum. Um, one last thing, uh, Kyle. we've You know, we're, we're beginning our uh, new semester. Uh, today, as we're recording this, uh, was our first day back in school here at St. Therese. And I did the all-school mass, and uh, as I began, I I asked the students, "Is everybody really glad to be back?" And I heard all of these groans all over the place. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, but we're back in another another semester, uh, and I hope that our teachers have been refreshed. They really deserve the break uh, over the holidays. What what thoughts? What message would you have for teachers as we enter into a new year? The Kind of the um, January February time is kind of a a what I would call the yawn of the year. There's <laughs> not a lot going on, and yeah. uh, so how uh, what what would you like to say to the teachers?
2: That's a great question, Father Randy. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I, I used to joke with our faculty that February is the shortest longest month of a teacher's calendar. Um, you're right, it just is is the, the finish line's not quite in sight and, and you still are in, you know, the meat meaty part of the year. Our our children had their first day back after an extended Christmas break. They were off almost two and a half weeks, which is quite long. Um for especially for I think young people. That said, um they were groaning a bit in the morning um, as as they had to get up earlier than they had been accustomed to, but I was able to pick them up from school yesterday afternoon, and they came with wide grins on their faces. I and I didn't even have to ask; they said, "Dad, it was such a good first day back," and they were quite just gregarious in sharing. You know, more gregarious than typical about just sharing their day. And um, you know, I think they missed their teachers, they missed their friends. Uh, I think they find just great comfort and a familial sense in in this school that they um, attend, and it's an extension of home. And they the theme that tied all three of their stories together was, like, laughter and fun um, as they shared some things that went on in each of their days. And so I guess I, on top of mind and heart is for teachers just not to lose sight of having fun with your students students no matter what age or grade you, you teach yes you know there's serious work um and curriculum you have to get through um but they're young people and um and and they like to laugh and they like to have fun and i think just if you can cultivate that in a classroom with some joy um you're gonna have a really great year i think and um and to laugh with your students
1: yeah, I think for me, you know, as I look at uh, back to my own experience in education and then looking at uh, various other things going on, if the kids know that the teachers love them and are enjoying their time with them, I think there's nothing more contagious than that, uh, not only for learning, but also for uh, being a testimony of Christ's love uh, to the students. That's for sure. man. Well, hey, Kyle, it's been so good to have you on the program on the other side of the desk this time.
2: Oh, it's been a joy, Father Randy. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate everything you're doing uh, with the program.
1: It is it is truly a, a love for me, and and it is my passion. I love doing this program. And I, I just want to, again, inform everybody that for more information about the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, please do visit our website at diaschools.org. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or uh, follow our podcast on your podcast player. And please leave a comment if you can to encourage us toward future programming. So on behalf of everyone at the DIA Schools Collaborative and the Follow to Lead podcast, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a
0: very happy new year. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God, right here on Follow to Lead.